This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, You'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. The more society goes away from God, the harder their hearts get. You, you yeah. know, and that's also another mystery of theology. God begins to give people over. Mm -hmm. um, God begins to harden their hearts, and it's almost like the worse things get for those people, the more they begin to hate the ways of God. So they double down. Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast. It's a new year, and I have a not-so-new guest, someone who's been on with me before, Mr. John Cooper. John, so glad you joined me today. Yes, it's great to be back with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's, you know, you're you're one of my most popular guests. You've been on the podcast a couple times before, and <laughs> people always say, I love when you bring John Cooper on the podcast. So when I heard you had this new album coming out, of course, I told you this, that my kids and I have been listening to the a couple of the early cuts we've been listening in our car, and um, yeah, we've been loving it. And Ooh. I want to talk to you about the message of some of this stuff, because... Um, well, you know, okay, so I, I kind of told you this off air, but I, wanna, I want people to hear this because there really is something so great about people coming around, whether it be a public figure or it be a youth pastor or somebody just to sort of speak into your kids' lives, you know, because sometimes kids don't really want to listen to mom and dad. I'm sure your kids are like, <laughs> mom and dad, you know, even though you're John and Corey Cooper, like the coolest people alive. But, yeah. <laughs> my son, but my son was listening. He loves Monster, of course. We were listening to Monster a bunch. And I told him, I said, bud, you know, this is John and Corey Cooper. I showed him a picture of you guys. And I said, you know, they're Christians. And he was like, oh, they're, they're cool kids. He goes, cool kids can be Christians? And I was like, yes, cool kids can be Christians. So thank you for being a cool kid Christian, you and Corey both. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah, I'm just so, I'm just so thrilled they didn't say, oh, so Christian senior citizens can be cool too? <laughs> yeah, so I'll take it. I'll take the yeah. Kids. No, he thinks you're just the coolest. But you know, it really, but that does speak so much to 
almost the danger of celebrity when our kids, you know, are looking up to people who aren't leading them in good directions or wavering in their faith and things like that. We're going to talk about some of that today. But I want you to tell us about this new album that, uh, depending on when this airs, it either has just come out or it's coming out real soon, but it's called Dominion. Tell us about it. Well, I would love to. uh, And I, I hope that your son loves this album. Very excited about it. It is called Dominion. Um, you know, you, it, it, well, you know, because you're, you're a singer, some people listening might get this, some people might not, but when you write songs, sometimes you, you, you sit down and you say, I want to write about, you know, A, B, or C, and, you know, you formulate the lyrics and you have something that you want to say and you're, re- you're, you're refining it and you're doing all your work. Other times, something just comes out of you, you know, and, and that's yeah. some, almost like stream of consciousness writing or something just comes out or an idea hits you. And, and I've had, I've had really terrible songs be written both ways and I've had pretty good songs be written both ways. You know, I don't think one's better than the other, but sometimes when that, that inspiration comes and it comes out of you, you, you go, Oh, I, I didn't know that was, exactly what I was feeling, because we're not always completely in touch with what's happening in our hearts, right? Yeah. This, these songs were just coming out of us. And uh, mm. the truth is, I wasn't thinking of recording a record. I was thinking we would wait for another year because, you know, the pandemic and nobody knew when the pandemic was going to end. Like, I don't really know if you want an album coming out right in the middle of lockdown or something because we, right. uh, you, <laughs> you can't tour it. So, but these songs were coming out and we had so much to say. And so uh, I know we're going to talk about some of those things, but the album Dominion, the name is basically to do with this. And we'll talk about it more, I'm sure later, but there is a war going on in not just in America, in the world, there is a war going on. Now there's always spiritual war going on, but there is a war happening for who is going to rule over your life. Obviously, that's always a spiritual battle, but you get what I'm saying. We're, mm-hmm. we're having that right now with um, what I see, what I perceive to be like battles with statism. Are, are we going to let the government be the god of our lives? Or is the government going to be able to tell me you may not go and worship the Lord? You may not go to church. You may not do this. Your kids have to be taught A, B or C. And in America, we take some of that for granted, but there are a lot of places in the world where you are not allowed to teach your own kids. That's you know, right. I, I have friends in Germany. Uh, homeschooling mm-hmm. is not an option. You give your kids to the state for them to teach you what must be taught. We're not that far from that in America. Those battles are happening now. So all of that is mixed into dominion. And this is God's world. Jesus is king of the earth as we speak. He's, you know, the Bible says he's, uh, he, he's at the right hand of the Father, ruling in the midst of his enemies. Christ is Lord of the earth as we speak. This is his dominion. And so the album title is not just about Christ's dominion, but it is meant to be, um, a, you, you know, the culture mandate. Sometimes theologians call it the culture mandate. Go into all the world and rule and subdue. That, that is our job. We are to bring dominion everywhere we go. And that is dominion over my body over my mind, over the things I think, and over the things I do with my hands and my feet and yada yada, and to bring uh, dominion to your own household. You know, that sort of um, authority under God's authority. And so there's a lot to deal with that, but all of that is just a celebration 
of Christ being king of the earth. And that's what yeah. the title means to me. That's, that's great. And I want to just, you know, make sure that we differentiate what you're saying between what is sometimes called, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but called kingdom now theology or uh, dominionism or dominion theology. Have you heard those terms, which are yes. usually mm. associated with a more hyper charismatic new apostolic reformation type uh, situation? And uh, what I'm hearing you say is you're not talking about, you know, trying to make America a Christian nation that's, that's you know, ruled almost like a theocracy, but you're saying, like, Christ is king. We need to rest and know that he is in control, that God is sovereign. And yeah, we want to we wanna live that out in our lives, but we, he's on the throne, not just of our lives, but of the world. And I love that message. I think that's something that Christians need to get a better grasp of, especially in the time of pandemic, when there's so much fear. There's, oh gosh, I mean the fear, right, John? Like there's just yeah. there's so much fear, even among Christians. I, I see that. And, and I think this is such a great message. I love, I love what you said here. Um, in your press release, this quote is, is pretty awesome. You said, never in my lifetime have I experienced the silencing of Christian voices that we are witnessing right now. There's an immense pressure to bow down to the secular culture or just go with the flow. Sorry, my phone is ringing. Turn the little ringer off. Forgot to do that. <laughs> uh, let me go back up a little bit. There's an immense pressure to bow down to the secular culture, to just go with the flow, to not rock the boat. This song, uh, talking about the actually the song Surviving the Game, I believe, um, this song is a wake-up call to the spiritual battle that is happening, to defy fear and not give up. Surviving connotes both optimism and realism in the same word. Ooh, I want to ask you about that. We must keep pressing on and realize that victory is something that we will have to fight for every day. The opening line to the song is from Romans 8:37. In these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And that verse sets the stage for the song, but also for the entire record. So it's really interesting what you say in this quote, that victory is something we'll have to fight for every day. Obviously, we know that Jesus uh, won the ultimate victory on the cross and through his resurrection. How does this apply to our lives as Christians as we live in this basically post-Christian, post-truth culture? Mm. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think that sometimes it's just the, the words we use, they can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And maybe d depending on how you grew up reading the Bible or how you heard it preached, be begins to get into your mind to such a degree that, that a lot of times we don't think deeply about it. We know because most of us that went, grew up in church, we sing those songs, the victory belongs to the Lord, you know, things like that. You've already heard victory in Jesus. Yeah, that was a big one when I was a kid, right? The hymn, it's a great yeah. hymn, actually a really great hymn, but we're not here to talk about that. But anyway, <laughs> the point is, is that, yes, that, that victory has already been won. And we are living in that victory, but we still have to walk this out. And I think that there were times in my life, especially when I was younger, that I didn't understand that I could live in victory. I thought that victory was only something that happens when I die, you know? So, so it's mm. almost like soteriology is nothing more than, than when I die, I will go to heaven. As opposed to really, I think a, a deeper look at the Bible teaches us that we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. So it, it, is, it is a process, it is, it is at work, even though the victory is sure. 
And so I think that is, I hope it's an encouragement to Christians to remember you're, you're at war every single day. Mm. Every single day you wake up, it's time for battle. That's what's happening. And the battle belongs to the Lord, but you're still going to have to, to fight through it. And I think that if we, for me, I found that if I can just kind of, if I can acknowledge the realism of that, that it's, it's, it's probably going to get dirty again today. It's probably going to get bloody again today. It, it's almost like if I know it's coming, I'm more prepared for it. And so over the last, I would say, couple of two years, I really got myself in this routine. I don't know if this is stupid or not. It might, <laughs> encourage, it might encourage somebody. The routine I got into was based on the scripture. We are more than conquerors in Christ. And, and when you look at that scripture in the, the context of what is being talked about, it's talking about the fact that 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 Christ is interceding for us. Mm. Uh, he is interceding for us in, in the courts of heaven. Yeah. He is the one that is fighting. So if he is fighting for me, then who can make a charge against me? No one can make a charge against you. Who tries to make a charge against you? The accuser, that is the devil. He may try, but Christ is interceding for me in, in the courts of heaven. Because of that, I am more than a conqueror in Christ. And so two years ago, I got into the habit of the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is I, I wrote a little note card and it says, wake up, war is upon you. I'm reminding myself that war is upon me. It's the first thing I do. And I pray, Jesus, I need you to fight my battles for me today. I know that I can't fight the battle. I know I, I won't win the battle, but I know that Christ can win the battle because he is interceding for me. So it's like that joint, it's that mystery. We, the Bible mm. also talks about it in sanctification, how we join together with the Holy Spirit in the work, I mean, the work of sanctification. You can't sanctify yourself. It's a work of the Spirit, but you join together with Him. I'm not claiming I understand that, but I know that I have a part to play as long as I do it in His strength. So that's kind of the message, the deeper message that's behind this surviving the game. Remind Christians it is not going to be easy. I think it's getting harder because yeah. our society is our society is going further away from biblical truth and it is becoming quite antagonistic, more antagonistic. The, the, the more society goes away from God, the harder their hearts get. You, yeah. you know, and that's also another mystery of theology. God begins to give people over. Mm -hmm. um, God begins to harden their hearts and it's almost like the worse things get for those people, the more they begin to hate the ways of God, so they double down and yeah. they triple down. And now they are so antagonistic against the gospel. When five years ago, they wouldn't have been that antagonistic. They would have felt a little bit neutral or a little bit like, ah, I don't dig that. Now yeah. they, they hate it. And so I want to kind of encourage Christians. That's what's coming. That's the mode that we're in. And why don't we take the battle to the enemy instead of being on defense all the time. I love it. I love it. And this is something I even say sometimes to people when I go and speak places, because people are always asking the question, how can I convey the gospel in a way that's not offensive to people? And I always say, ultimately, you can't, because the right. gospel is <laughs> foolishness to those who are perishing. Do we want to communicate it in the most persuasive and winsome way we possibly can? Of course. Do we want to try to sweep uh, away intellectual obstacles that are standing in front of someone's view of the gospel? Of course. We want to be there to answer people's questions and do all we can. But ultimately speaking, if you preach the true gospel, people are going to hate you because 
it's really not you they hate. They hate God. They hate the gospel, like you mentioned. And I think we are seeing that manifest more and more in our culture. And in this song, Surviving the Game, you have the the whole song begins with this spoken word thing where you say, to be more than a conqueror, you have to learn to enjoy the pain if you want to survive the game. I'd love to let you expound on that a little bit because it's like the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, that's kind of like a little bit provocative, right? It's kind of like a, um, like it almost sounds like, what are you saying there? But then when I really started to think about it, I was like, yeah, because if you're going to fight th- these battles, if you're going to live consistently and faithfully in in a battle, which is, I mean, I think I've come to think that the best spiritual warfare is just living faithfully and consistently in places where it's very difficult to do that, which is going to cause pain. Uh, but talk about what you were thinking when when those lyrics came out of you. Yeah, it, it is it is provocative. Um, you know, I, I think I think part of what happened over this year and a half, um, n- nearly two years of the pandemic. I think what happened was this. I, I, let me, maybe I'm going to rewind to something else you said about the gospel, because I'm going to kind yeah. of tie it together. All of a sudden, we found ourselves living in a world where people were, I think, more hostile to the gospel, not just to the gospel, but to the fruit of, of the gospel. I would say the fruit of, of the kingdom of God. And that was strange to me because we've always lived in a country that was sort of built, well, I shouldn't say sort of where people sort of had a, a bit of a Christian worldview, or, or even if they weren't Christians, yeah. they had an understanding of truth. And they sort of, they kind of sort of liked the fruit of the kingdom of God because they were ra- they were raised with it. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we, we live in a culture where people are kind of like, I don't even think I like the fruit of that. You know, like, for instance, there's a lot of people now outside of the Christian world seemingly fighting for things like uh, neo-segregation. There you go. There's a good example. All of a sudden, they're kind of like, well, I think maybe maybe segregating would be actually a really good thing. And we're like, no, no, no. A lot of people fought (laughs) uh, bravely for that. You're you're kind of undoing the work of that that uh, the civil rights movement and stuff. That's actually not a good thing. All of a sudden, the things that people want is actually kind of quite quite different. And we're seeing Mm -hmm. that with people that kind of don't mind if their enemies literally die. Like you mm. see that right now, it's true, isn't it? Yeah. If some if someone in politics dies, let's say yeah. a, a Democrat, let's just say Democrat because I'm I'm conservative, of course, in general. But let's just say a Democrat senator dies. There's a group of people that are like, good. I hope they rot in hell. Yeah, and, unreal, it's, huh? It's on both sides, you yeah. know. And we used to all agree that's not good. <laughs> that's right. a really bad thing, right? So we're living in this really strange kind of strange time. And what I started realizing was that. I don't like confrontation. I don't really like making people mad. And what I think I I felt God speaking to me as I was reading my Bible one day about battle. And I just realized I don't have a taste for war. I just don't have the stomach for it. I don't like it. I don't like going to battle every day and arguing with friends of mine who are like, if you're going to support the pro-life movement, then I just can't be friends with you anymore. My friends didn't say that five years ago. But right. some some of my friends say that in, in now, and all of a sudden I'm like, man, I don't want to lose a friend over this. But and I realize I don't always have the stomach for war, and because we have, we have been blessed to live in America, 
I know it's a really long answer, but what I'm guessing is that that was a personal thing for me, that I think God wanted to teach me to learn how to have a stomach for war, not that I want to be confrontational, not mm-hmm. that I want to be yelling at folks, but that I am ready for the battle. And I realized that, that in, in 2021 and 2022, that that battle is going to cost you more than it did five years ago. It just might begin to cost you friends, family, jobs, clout, Twitter followers, so on and so forth. And, and that's what it was for me. Yeah, no, that's really interesting because you're a person, your whole band, all of you guys are really living this out on the front lines. And actually, I've even read some comments where people have criticized you for the fact that you do festivals with a lot of secular bands. In fact, I'm reading here, uh, you know, the the producer that produced Papa Roach and uh, Disturbed and Five Finger Death Punch, Kevin Churko, he produced your album. And uh, you tour with a lot of secular bands, bands that would have nothing to do, it seemingly, with the gospel. And I want to let you speak to that a little bit because you are quite literally— going into the darkness and being a light. What does that look like for you when the skillet bus pulls up to a festival that you're playing with bands that are, you know, horrifically unchristian, I guess. I don't know if that's the right way to describe them, but a lot of people would say like, wow, that's a that's very a very interesting thing. But you're, you know, see, I might understand the criticism if you were like shy about your faith, but I don't think anyone could accuse you, John, of being shy about your faith, right? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, um, there are people that criticize, and, and honestly, I, I don't even mind it. it. It's never even crossed my mind to, to bother me, just because I'm like, hey, that they don't get it and they don't need to. I sort of view that like, um, remember the disciples were like, hey, all those people over there, they're baptizing, they're not part, of, do you want us to go shut them down, you know? And, yeah. and of course, Jesus is like, hey, basically, you let them do their thing, we're gonna do our thing. So I don't really mind it. My vi- my vision is this part of what dominion is about to me, the culture mandate. Part of that to me, and I know not all Christians agree with this, by the way, but this is just my thing. I believe that every area of life, every box, every nook and cranny belongs to Christ, as we talked about earlier. I believe that rock and roll and the arts does not belong to the devil. The devil may have used it. He may have twisted it. He may have stolen something, which is what the devil does, of course. He comes in and he tries to do something kind of like what God does, right? But he wants to steal the glory and he twists it. He perverts it. I believe that the arts belong to God. Music belongs to God. It is for his glory. Mm. And so when I create art and I go and I play music, I believe that it is taking back something, bringing it back under the subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. It all belongs to him. It is for his glory. That world does not belong to the devil. And so not everybody necessarily agrees with that. But I see that as, uh, you know, in my sort of the way that I see theology, I see that as the as the kingdom of God uh, going into enemy territory. You know, the, the, the scripture that says the gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of God, basically, right? Yeah. And when I was a kid, I always thought what that meant was that I'm in my little Christian world and the, and the kingdom of darkness, the gates of hell were, 
were banging on my door and they were trying to knock over my house and the, and the kingdom of darkness was expanding into this world. And, but that's okay because, you know, the kingdom of God's going to be okay against the onslaught of the enemy. But when I started getting older and reading theology, I started realizing, oh no, it's the gates of hell are the ones that are static. Uh, well, not static forever, but they're, they are static in place as the kingdom of God tramples over. It's the kingdom of God that is going forth and taking ground back. And we are trampling the, the darkness. And that's how I see, that's how I see music and going to that world. And this, in terms of the, the bands, I have great friendships with so many uh, atheist <laughs> rock and roll singers who have shown me a ton of friendship and a ton of respect. I've been very respected by people who, uh, some of them, frankly, uh, some of them are atheists and don't know that they hate the gospel. Does mm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Some of them are atheists and they are what I would call angry atheists. They are, they know they hate the gospel and they are like actively at war. Some of them just like, eh, they just are atheists and they, they don't want to fight. Even the angry atheists that I've met, we get along and they've always been respectful to me and they've always kind of said, John, I like your music because you sing about what you believe in and that's what makes good art. Mm. And I would say to them, likewise, some Christians get offended by this, but even if there's a song that offends me when it's authentic, I recognize that is good art. It, it's mm -hmm. provocative. It makes you think. Doesn't mean I want to listen to it. Doesn't mean I want my kids listening to it. It's just an acknowledgement that they're making good art and you know a deeper yeah. a deeper subject would be that in the end one way or the other <laughs> god is going to get the glory for that e even for people who hate him god will find in, in his mysterious will he finds a way to bring people to their knees and he mm. takes the glory he will have what is this version said he will have every last what is it? Every last drop of his glory from first to last. Some mm. great Spurgeon quote. I can't yeah. remember it, but you get the point. So yeah. that that's kind of my my take on it. I've got great friends in that world, and ninety nine percent of them have showed me an incredible amount of respect and friendship. And you even tour. I, is it true you even employ a lot of non Christians, some atheists that travel with you? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I would say. Typically, I would say probably the majority of people that have worked for Skillet are not, they are either atheists or agnostic. Um, and I've got great friendships with them. And, you know, we disagree on lots and lots of stuff. And they've grown up with my kids. And I don't know, it's just been, it's been a really great, uh, it's been a really great way, in my view, for evangelism. It's been yeah. a great way to show what to to show what the kingdom of god looks like and so i guess what i mean by that is not to give away personal information i won't give any i won't uncover anybody but there have been situations because my kids are on the road with me and there have been people that have seen me and my wife corey uh, pray with our kids read our bibles to our kids explain to our kids why something they see happening in the world whether it's uh, the killing of george floyd uh, so whether we're talking about racial justice or uh, social justice or uh, what have you, fill in the blank, they have seen us talk about those things with our kids from the word of God and mm. explain why this is evil and what we can do about it and what we can pray for. 
and God has really, really used that. You know, one of the tours we were on, one of the bands we were playing with, um, eight or nine days before the tour started, the singer for one of the bands, his his brother killed himself. They were on tour. His brother was on tour with them, and they he, I think I don't remember. I think he may have gotten high and and jumped out of a window of of, of a hotel. And so this tour started in a really heavy way with with someone that is is not a Christian that is suffering and had found his way back to um, uh, drugs. And, you know, he's trying to numb the pain in every way that he can. At the time, I we would pray for him every night. And so one day before they were going on stage, my five year old daughter at the time, you know, walks up to him and, and says to him, we pray for you every night, and I want you to know that that Jesus loves you, and and Jesus will be a refuge to you. Wow. And you you see this rock star that's about to go on stage and sing all sorts of stuff that you know that that may not glorify God, but but you see the Holy Spirit is doing something really powerful there. And so for me, I believe that that is that is what what we're supposed to be doing. Not everybody agrees with that, and that's fine with me. I love it. You call this a positive rebellion. I wonder if you can talk about that. When when you're talking about the album and the lyrics and just how these songs were flowing out of you, it's a positive rebellion. What's that about? Yeah, I love that. Positive rebellion is exactly <laughs> right. I mean, I, I found myself all of a sudden like, like us Christians, like we are the we are the radicals now. I mean, we are right. the ones that are saying. You know, as you know, I love political philosophy. I'm, I just, I love political science. I just like that kind of stuff. Um, we're the ones saying to, like, to to the powers that be, to the authorities, whether we're talking about spiritual authorities or even um, government authorities. Of, we're the ones saying no. We will not bow to Caesar. You know, um, no. We will not take the the pinch of incense for people that know what that is from from the Roman time, we will not bow down to, to Caesar. We will not comply with everything you say because the, you are not God. And all of a sudden we are like the crazy radical people looking at the world saying, I will not bow down to fear. Fear mm. is one of the, the, the biggest things that I see with my, I'm sure we all do. I'm sure your listeners are like, yeah, we all see this, John. With our spiritual eyes, if you put your spiritual eyes on, if you will, to see what's happening in, in the world, there is an onslaught of fear. It's incredible. Did you know, you might know this, Elisa, but even the CDC, if you go in the CDC and you look at the highest risk factors to die from COVID, uh, not, not to get COVID, everybody's going to get COVID um, or has gotten COVID, um, not to get it, but to die from it. A lot of people know that the number one risk factor is obesity. The number two risk factor, which is nearly tied to number one, is fear-related illness. It is anxiety and wow. fear. And when I read that, I was I was like, well, I already knew that because I have my spiritual eyes on and I can see what is happening. And we know that fear will lock you up. But fear is one of the things that that Christ set us free from, right? For I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, the Bible says. And so um, I thought it was really interesting that even 
even the CDC admitted it because sometimes I think sometimes I wonder what's being admitted and what exactly is it being admitted. But on a scientific scale, they're admitting something that the Bible already teaches us. So this is a positive rebellion. I don't mean it's a rebellion against like mask wearing or something like that. Right. I'm talking about internal. It's a positive rebellion against the freak out the anxiety, the how am I going to pay my bills, how am I going to do this, how am I going to do this, and, and all of that, that pressure that's coming internally and is coming from externally as well. We have the power, again, because of the Holy Spirit, it's not in John, it's, it's, it's in the Holy Spirit in me. We have a power to say no to that, to, mm. to shut that down, because we are not a slave to the flesh. We are not a slave to all those things. We are now servants of God and Christ will fight for us. So that is kind of what I mean by that positive rebellion. And there are some, if I may, some other practical things that I mean when I say that, that not everybody will be as passionate about as me, but I feel that way in a practical sense about cancel culture, Mm -hmm. you know, about being made to, to shut up because you're not saying things that are okay to say any longer. And that's going to have a, a huge impact on people like you and me and the church at large and pastors, people that want to keep writing books that, that speak truth. All of those things are coming into play. It's very kind of, I think it's a pretty dangerous um, time. Not that we live in fear over it, but we may as well talk about it. So to me, it's a positive rebellion to speak out against those things so that we are in a freer society that we may share the gospel um, without recrimination from the government and and without losing your job because you didn't, I don't know, list your pronouns or something like that. Th- th- that is the world that we are beginning to live in. And I think as Christians, last thing I'll say about it, we may talk about it more later, I think that there has been a real... Um, I, I'm sure your fans will know the word pietism. Do you, do you know they would know that probably? There's been a real pietistic streak in Christianity to say we don't want to, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. Just tell people that Jesus loves them and don't get into those subjects. I think that that is. I'm not sure the fruit of that has been very, very positive. I think we yeah. need to rock the boat a little bit. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because there's sort of three themes that emerge out of this quote that I read from you earlier when you said there's an immense pressure to bow down to the secular culture, to go with the flow and not rock the boat. And then, excuse me, you're saying your song really is encouraging people to engage in the spiritual battle, to defy fear and not give up. And so I want to talk through some of those themes here in just a second, but you kind of perked my interest there when you mentioned cancel culture and um, even this idea of, you know, people are facing, when I go speak um, at conferences, I have people come up to me almost every time saying, you know, there's this pressure, the, the pronoun thing, you know, to list my pronouns or to answer that question or, you know, what, how do I, how do I go about that as a Christian? Or maybe it's a teacher who's pressured to put the sticker on her door that, is, you know, <laughs> might say something like, hey, this is a safe place for everyone. But really what it means is that they're affirming of uh, all different genders and, and sexual orientations and things like that. And there's these pressures to make these little compromises. And honestly, I I tell people, I feel like it's 
even harder for someone like a teacher or someone working in an office or maybe has to go through a certain training that violates uh, their conscience. It violates what they believe to be true. And there's almost it's almost harder to walk through ordinary life with these in the face of all these little compromises than it might be for someone like you, John, to get on stage and sing Surviving the Game, or it might be for me to speak into a camera. And, yes. you know, because the biggest risk I'm taking is, oh, you know what, YouTube's going to remove my video or something. But ultimately, it's it's not like it, it, it's this little con- constant drip in everyday life. Yes. And I think for so many people, it is. It's just those little compromises of what do I do in this little situation? And how do I think this through? And how do I work that through? And then, of course, facing ultimate cancellation if they make one wrong move. And so I'd love to give you a chance to speak to that as well, just for people who are watching who might feel like they just need encouragement Mm. to be able to take this advice, to go against the flow, rock the boat, defy fear, not give up. How How can we do that as Christians? Yes. Wow. You just said so much great stuff. And I want to reiterate, um, one of the reasons that I can come out really hard like I do on issues (laughs) sometimes is frankly, yes, I have something to lose, but it is not going to end my my life. My kids are going to be fed. Okay. There are people watching this that are like, I don't know what to do if I lose my, my job. I don't know what to do if X, Y, or Z happens. I'm not in that position. And so it does give me an opportunity to come out really hard to explain some of this stuff. I don't have as much to lose as people listening to this is what I'm saying. That should be acknowledged. I think I'll start with this. It's so important what you just said. There is a group of Christians and I love them. Uh, I absolutely love them. Some of my best friends, in fact, some of the people that I admire the most in the world disagree with me on what I'm gonna say. So I'm not being mean to you if this is you listening. Some of my best friends that I admire in the Lord. Sometimes they think, that people like me, frankly, were just causing a ruckus for no reason. Why are you causing all this ruckus? It's just so divisive. It's it's so us versus them constantly. I personally believe they are the ones being naive. They do not understand the war that is happening. They don't understand that you are not allowed in 2020s. You're not allowed to not take sides. And the fact that you do not, if you're a school teacher and you do not put that sign on your door, as you just said, I don't remember what the thing, everyone's welcome, whatever you said. The fact that you not putting on the sign means that you've put up the wrong sign. You see what I'm saying? They're not like, oh yeah, do it or not do it, whatever you're comfortable with. That's not what they mean. It is a way of signaling what, what you believe. This isn't a sort of Hey, I'll put up a Green Bay Packers one on my door and you can put up a Bears one on your door and everybody gets to have their own opinion. That is not what this is. And if you don't put up the sign, you're going to get asked why you don't put up the sign, probably by the principal or by the school board or some mayor or governor of your state is going to come in and require you to put up the sign. Mm -hmm. That is the overreach of the state that I think is so idolatrous. Uh, some people don't know why I get so worked up about that, but it, it, this is in political philosophy. That is the overreach of, of the government acting like they are God and they should have control over your kids and your life and your livelihood and your job and so on and so forth. So it's a little bit of the, if you're not with us, you're against us mentality. And this is what Christians are going through every single day. 
that is what I mean when I say get ready for the, when I say be more than a conqueror, don't lose the stomach for battle, because it's just easy to go, I don't want to have this battle every day. Here's the sign, put it up, we're done. It's just so much easier. You, I lose the stomach for getting yelled at every day. I don't like it either. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, this record is an encouragement to people. That's the kind of fight we're in. And it does matter because the next step is the government forcing everyone to put up the sign or so on and so forth on, on like on every issue that there is. The last thing I'll say, even a lot of pastors who I love in this group of people that I'm talking about that say, John, Elisa, quit rocking the boat so much. You're causing up a stir. I don't think that they quite understand what the next step is. The next step truly is coming into the church and saying, you may not say these things because they are not inclusive. They are hateful. They, um, and, and as we all know, speech is violence now. I mean, words are actually, it harms people. You are making yeah. people not safe by talking about the fact that there's either heaven or hell. You're either going to be redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ and go to heaven, or you are going to say no to Christ and you are going to go to hell for eternity. Well, that is violence now. That that kind yeah. of talk puts people in physical danger and you may not do that under some sort of, they'll make some sort of law. I don't know why preachers don't understand that that's the next step, but I think that's like pietism to the extreme yeah. in my in my view. So I would just encourage people, it, it's gonna get it's gonna get hard. Find a stomach for war. If I could give an example of that, it would be it would be a young David, a young David when he's still probably a teenager. He's a shepherd of his few sheep. Remember how his brother said that? Shouldn't you be out there with those few sheep? They're like, ta- but anyway, I, that always makes me laugh. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, it's a it's a young David bringing food to his brothers who are in the army of God and they're all terrified of Goliath. And and he and they say, where are you? You should be taking care of those few sheep. What are you doing? None of them had the stomach for battle. But a young David comes up and he sees Goliath taunting the armies of God and therefore taunting God. Mm-hmm. And young David is just like, who, who is this? uncircumcised dog speaking against the armies of the living God. That, how are you letting this happen? David was someone who had a stomach for the battle, and mm. I, I, I want to be more like that. Mm. Well, and it's ironic, too, because you mentioned that words are considered violence, but so is silence. Silence is violence, yes. and words are violence. It's, And that's just an example of, I think, when I think about these things, culture's going to put you in a corner and you got to end up choosing. Like you said, nobody can just not choose a side anymore. And it's not because, you know, we, we think about the metaphor of war. Like what we're saying right now is nothing different than Christians have been saying forever. <laughs> it's not like we're all of a sudden bringing these crazy out there ideas into culture and trying to cause a problem. Actually, 
if you think of it that way, we're really not the ones rocking the boat. We're just saying the same things we've always said. We're, we're totally. holding to the same <laughs> biblical principles Christians have always held to. It's culture that has changed and is demanding that Christians change. And I think that when I think about the small little compromises, the sticker on the door, maybe being forced against your conscience to write pronouns down on a, on a paper or something like that, it, it's like... You're, I just hope to encourage somebody that might be listening to this or watching this. You're not the one that's doing the act of war by refusing to violate your conscience. Um, it's culture that has changed. They're the ones who are sort of saying, okay, everything's different now and you got to get on board or you're going to be canceled or you're going to lose your job. And um, so don't let anyone make you feel like you living out your Christianity in a culture that's very hostile to Christianity um, and becoming more hostile to Christianity is, is you know, you being this radical weirdo. I mean, we're not saying anything different than yeah. has <laughs> been said for 2,000 years. And I think that that's the thing, though, that is hard for us as Americans because we have lived in a culture, like you mentioned, um, obviously— Christ, uh, America wasn't founded, you know, quote unquote, as a Christian nation. But look at our founding documents. These are theistic documents. These are documents that assume a Judeo-Christian worldview, uh, whether or not every founder was a Christian. I know there were a couple of deists in there and things like that. But the, the documents themselves are theistic de uh, uh, documents. They, they assume a particular worldview and morality. And I think that we've been so used to that as Christians being the foundational morality of our culture. Now, as that's eroding, and that's changing, we're kind of like finding ourselves going, what do we do now? And what do I do with these little compromises? And um, in just a moment, we're going to do our little kind of after party, our Patreon after party. Uh, if you're interested in being a part of that, basically what I do with each guest is a little five to 10, sometimes 15 or 20, depending on on how uh, how good the conversation keeps going. But we do like a little after party, a little, uh, uh, just a little bonus content for Patreon supporters. And so you can go to Patreon patreon.com slash Elisa Childers and look at the different tiers. Uh, one tier will give you early access to podcasts and videos, and other tiers will get you transcripts for the podcast. A lot of people write in and say, can I get a transcript for the podcast? You can sign up for that on Patreon, and you can also get access to these bonus contents, Facebook group, lots of fun stuff. Got a great Facebook group that's uh, for patrons at a certain tier. So check that out, patreon.com slash Elisa Childers. And then, John, as we close out this section of our of our discussion here. Um, I want to just refer back to what you were saying before. We've talked about so many things, like these little compromises. A lot of people are facing right now. They're facing being canceled. They're facing losing their jobs. People who have been, like you said, you know, they, they want to feed their kids. And all they have to do is just violate their conscience with something like writing, you know, acknowledging a certain pronoun or, or this or that. Um, what's your advice and what? How can we defy fear? I love the way you worded that. It's it's like a and it's an aggressive action against fear. How do we defy fear as Christians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I probably would say this. I've already acknowledged that I don't have as much to lose as a lot of people, so it's easy to say. I will say this, and I, I'm not trying to say that I do have a lot to lose, but already. There are a lot of people in my in my world, music world, that have already kind of said it's a shame that Skillet is ending their. We're not ending our career yet, thank the Lord. Um, but the Skillet is kind of going out on this kind of 
kind of like a weird note because in their minds, we were a very inclusive band. We were very nice. We were very loving. We always had positive messages. And now John's so outspoken about this and this and this that it's just kind of a turnoff to some people and they're really abandoning where they came from. These aren't you know, typically Christian people. I'm talking about in the, the overall music world. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that's a bummer to me. You know what I mean? My, my career could end. My career could end quickly, depending on what happens there. You, 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 all of your clout goes away. Um, even some Christians begin to say, why are you being such a mean person? We used to, you, you used to think you were loving and gracious. And now I guess what I'm trying to say is this. I don't have as much to lose as you, but I, we've all got something to lose. I will tell you how I deal with this. It's just simple. I, as, you, as people listening probably do, I love the word of God. The word of God is true. Everything else can fall away, but the word of God is never, ever going to fall away. And the word of God says like this, what good is it for a man to gain everything the world has to offer if you lose your soul? What good is it? it it's, it's like it's worth nothing. It's absolute nothingness. What good is it to run the race and run the race and then give up at the end and not, mm. not, not reach the end? I'm not trying to say that, that, that you lose your salvation by any means. I'm not saying that. But if you read how Paul says it, and he's like, I'm running the race so that I may obtain the prize. What is the prize? I don't quite understand it, but apparently it's like a greater resurrection, which I don't even claim to understand. The point is, is that we want to finish the race well. My encouragement to people would be simply this. I know it's scary, but do you believe that the word of God, what God says is true. Do you believe that if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else is, is going to be added? It might not mean you get, get it just the way you thought you wanted it. What it means is that everything you need for your own good is going to be given to you by God. So I guess what I would encourage people in is this, there is a battle, it is going to cost you something. Do not give up the fight because I still believe that the i still believe that the promises of god are so so wonderful and part of that promise is is sowing and reaping you know it is adhering to to god's design it is adhering to god's laws and when you adhere to god's laws he says if you do these things you'll be blessed coming in you'll be blessed going out you know your crops are going to grow your children are going to obey all, all of the promises of of obeying god's laws i still believe are are for today and i don't want to get off into your guaranteed healthy wealthy blessed doctrine i'm not saying that but i am saying that i believe that the the, the sowing and reaping um the promise of god still stands in effect for today and i don't believe that anything can stand against the blessing of god even if you have to go through the, so, some trials so i want to encourage you for that how do we defy fear I just believe that we defy fear by a radical, and I mean radical, belief in the scriptures. It, it's, a, it's a radical b belief that this is what the Bible says. This may be what my eyes see, but I'm not paying attention to what my eyes see. I'm believing what the word of God says. To me, that's the only way that I really know how to defy fear because let's just face it, there's a lot of reasons to be afraid. 
there's a lot of scary stuff happening. And that's part of the realism is going, okay, we are in the battle. David shows up. Goliath is huge. David is probably a teenager and, you know, probably he wasn't a big muscular guy, you know, big six foot six guy. He's a teenager. That's a shepherd. Can't even put on the armor, can't hold the sword, but he's got a slingshot. And more importantly, he has uh, Yahweh in, in his corner. And so I guess what I would just say is there was reasons for David to be afraid. And, uh, you know, there's a line in, in our new song that says, uh, it's in the song, it's called Standing in the Storm. And I will tell you the lyric to this and then I'll shut up, I promise. The lyric on Standing in the Storm says, um, time for me to be defiant because I won't be silent when I suffer. Slinging shots at Goliath going to call down fire, rain and thunder. What, the, what I think about this is I'm not waiting for Goliath, nine foot tall Goliath to come swinging at me. I'm showing up knowing who is in my corner. War is upon me and I'm slinging shots at him. That's how I'm going to try to defy fear in the power of the spirit. That's good stuff. Well, I want to thank my guest today, John Cooper, for coming on. If you are listening on audio platforms like Google, Spotify, iTunes, always helps to go leave a five-star review. And if you see this post on social media, clicking like, share, even just leaving a little comment, a thumbs up, helps with algorithms and things like that. And if you are watching this on YouTube, always helps to subscribe, but also click that little bell icon because that's what's going to let you know every time we release a new video. We've got some really great episodes coming up uh, for the new year. So be looking for that. Thanks so much for watching and we will see you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.